If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to John chapter 2 and verse 2. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Verse 5 His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Notice that. They started drawing out and they took it to the master of the feast or the governor and he, and they took it. And then lastly, verse 10, and he said to them, every man from the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. Some translations say you have kept the best for the last. And I want to talk to you, and I want to entitle it, What the Holy Spirit Wants to Do for You. What the Holy Spirit Wants to Do for You. In the Hebrew culture, there was a great importance upon marriage and the marriage ceremony and vows and covenant. It was so serious to even consider getting married that if you got engaged to someone and decided to call the marriage off during the engagement, you couldn't just walk away and never speak again. You had to write up a legal bill of divorcement. This is told in the story of Joseph and Mary. You had to write up, a, if, if, if engagement was that serious of a commitment, can you imagine how serious of a commitment marriage was in the time in which Jesus attended this wedding to perform his first miracle and began his earthly ministry? Uh, it, would, it, was more than a, it was more than a ceremony, weddings, Especially in Jesus' day, it was something that would go on for days and days and days. And people came in from everywhere. It was a, remember, there were small villages. It was, a, it was a community celebration. All the neighbors, all the friends, all the dignitaries would come, all of them. And they would come from everywhere. And it was a massive celebration that went on for up to seven days, if you can imagine. It was a huge party. I don't know, and I've studied this. Uh, you can check this out. It was a huge party. And what I love about this story is that Jesus was invited to the wedding. He was invited to the party. He had not yet begun his earthly ministry, and yet he gets up, and when he was invited to the party, he went to the party. He, he, he got up and got his clothes on and I'm sure as he was about to go out the door and the disciples were hustling and bustling to get their clothes ready and to go with him, they thought, well, where are we going? I don't know, probably going to the synagogue, probably going to church, probably going to, he's probably got a brand new revelation and teaching he's going to share on a, with the multitudes. We're going to something spiritual, I guarantee you. And as they're leaving, somebody just casually says, where are we going, Jesus? He says, we're going to a party. We are going to a party, not to synagogue, not to church, not to a miracle meeting. We're going to a party. 
When he got there, there was quite a celebration going on. There were people who were dancing and hooping and hollering and singing and dancing and drinking and carrying on like you wouldn't believe. And Jesus was there. They had the head table. They had the guest of honor. They had the governor of that region. They had the bridegroom and everybody was there. The real guest of honor was not at the table of honor. He was not up front. He was among the people and they didn't even know he was there. Did you know that you can be in the presence of God and not get the benefits of God until circumstances arise that only God can handle? Sometimes God manipulates circumstances so that you can come into an awareness of who is with you. It's possible that you are going through something right now and you don't even know who's with you. But it's amazing to me how God can take and let something happen and all of a sudden you need him. All of a the sudden there is no human answer. All of a sudden nobody can fix it but Jesus. And your whole attitude changes. And suddenly you need him and you develop an appreciation for him and what he can offer in your life. And God has a way of putting you in circumstances that cause you to need him. Nobody was praying at this party. Nobody was doing anything but drinking and partying and dancing and having the biggest time. But he knows how in the midst of a party to get your attention. It ought to make us tremble. It really should. It ought to make us shudder to think how many times Jesus sat back in a corner and he went with us to every situation we got ourselves in. He was at the party. You know that party? He was there. You know that hotel room? You know that situation? You know that dog track? You know... I don't know where, what you, he goes to places like that. He's not just holy Jesus who comes to church. He was there and they didn't even know he was there. And what's so amazing is he's sitting there in the corner while they're having their party and they are unaware and could care less about him and anything he has to offer until the party ran out of wine. They had been dancing, music, carrying on, but they ran out of wine. Wine in the Bible represents sustainable joy. The party that the devil will throw you is one that sooner or later will run out of wine. Sooner or later, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but then the party they're partying without wine. <laughs> and at some point, it hits them. We don't have anything to sustain the party. Something had gone out of the party. You know what it is? Do you still remember what it was to be at the party, but something to go out of the party when you first get into certain sin and certain 
wildlife and party life. It's exciting. It's, it's intoxicating. It's, it's, you know, but at some point, something begins to go out of the party. You're partying without wine. You're still celebrating, but the party seems to have run out of wine. You're still laughing, but it's really not that funny anymore. You're still acting like you're having a good time, but deep down on the inside, you just want to go home. You're still in the arms of somebody that you thought would be enough, but now you're partying without wine. That job that you just thought you, if I could get that job, man, that would fulfill me, but Sooner or later, that party will run out of wine. That house, if I can get that car, if I can get that career, if I can get that paycheck, if I could ever get, if I could ever get this certain amount of money in the bank, it would sustain my joy for the rest of my life. If I could get that boy or that girl, if I could get married, if I could do this or if I could do that, none of the things the world offers you can give you sustainable joy without Jesus. And the party will run out of wine every time. The party is not what you thought it was. And you say, well, I sure am enjoying it right now, but you're gonna remember this sermon. And what I want you to see in this story is the extreme patience of Jesus. He'll just sit in a corner and they're hooping and hollering and dancing and shaking and laughing and getting higher and higher and higher. And Jesus is just sitting in the corner. The party scene isn't as great as you thought it was. The money hasn't got the power that you think it does. The person that you are willing to wreck your world for doesn't fulfill you like you thought he would or she would because everything the devil offers you, he offers you the best first and then it gets worse and worse and the wine runs out of his party every time. There is no sustainable joy in turning your back on God and good and walking away from the presence of the Lord. There is no sustainable joy. No amount of money can give it to you. No amount of success can give it to you. No amount, I don't care where you live, what neighborhood. Oh, if I had that, I would have sustainable joy. No, you would not. If Jesus is not the center of your life, you will never know joy, peace, and the happiness that God wants us to have. Clap your hands and praise the Lord, somebody. It was in this moment that when something went out of the party, it always will catch you. It'll, get, it'll catch up with you. Something's going something's to go out of it. It's, it's like when that thing that was fun becomes an addiction. It was fun taking the sips, but now you got to have it. Now you got to get high every day. Now you got to do it every day. Now you don't control it, it controls you. That's when the wine starts going out of the party. And it wasn't only that the party ran out of wine, but it was in that moment that the spotlight hit Jesus. 
Everybody's looking at the bride up to this moment, the couple, looking at the governor, looking at the, looking at the celebrities that were at the, at the main host table, looking at all the, the wedding party and what they're wearing and all of that. But the moment that it ran out, all attention. Isn't it funny how we can focus on everybody but Jesus until we get in an emergency? Jesus didn't plan on doing anything. His mother made him. He said, it's not my time, mother. And she said, whatever he says, do, do it. That means you're going to do something. Now get out there and do it. But this was an emergency. All of a sudden, the party crowd is talking about if there is a God up there, we sure could use some help. It's kind of like the church has come to the world's party after all that we've been through the last year or so. It's like the world has realized there is no sustainable joy in this world without Jesus. And we have come to the world's party. The church and Jesus has been overlooked, not noticed, laughed at. Talk shows have made fun of us. Movies have mocked us. In, throughout history, the early church, they threw them in snake pits. They burned them at the stake. They crucified them, but we're still at the party because we knew like Jesus, there would come a day when we would have more addicts than we do answers. We knew there would come a day when the suicide hotlines would be jammed, when crisis would be in every family, where every family would be broken and going through some kind of brokenness. And Jesus sits back with extreme patience and he says, I'm here. I've been with you. I didn't start loving you when you got it together. I didn't start protecting you and keeping you from hell and death and the devil and demons destroying your life. I was at that party. I was in that circle. I was there when you, the enemy plotted and planned. And I was there with extreme patience waiting on you to get your eyes off what you call friends and get your eyes off what you call life and get your eyes off what you think is temporary and powerful. I knew the, the wine was gonna run out of your party one of these days. And I've been waiting patiently. Now is the time for Jesus to give what the world is missing. And notice how he does it. In verse 6, he said, Bring me the six ceremonial pots and fill them with water to the brim. I want you to bring those six. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of sin. And they were ceremonial pots that were used by the Jews to wash themselves before they went into the temple. He said, I want you to bring the old religious pots and I'm going to work a new miracle in old pots. I believe those pots represent denominations. Represent the church that basically has nothing to offer a world that has no joy because we have become so religious. All we care about 
is our own personal righteousness and holiness and how pure and clean we are when the world is dying and they're dying right before our eyes. And the Lord says, I'm going to use those old ceremonial pots, but I'm going to have to do a new miracle with some old pots. And I wonder sometimes if we don't watch it, that we don't come to church and we become those old pots. We get in here and we hear a song like that. God can dissolve plates. God can heal cancer. And we almost give it mental assent and act like I don't really don't have miracles might happen, but I don't really believe for anything. You know what you are? An old pot that needs to get in the presence of Jesus and let him fill you to the brim. And you can say... Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did, he can still do. What he was, he still is. What he said, he's still saying. He's not the great I used to be. He's not the great I'm going to be. He is the great I am. In this service, he can heal cancer. In this service, he can give a new miracle to some old pots that need to reconnect to supernatural power. He can set drug addicts free. He can set alcoholics free. He can break bonds of depression and fear and worry off of your life. When you get in the power of his presence, he turns water into wine. He turns defeat into victory. He turns sorrow into rejoicing. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. He said, fill them with water to the brim. And I like the fact that he said, fill them with water to the brim. See, if they had brought Jesus pots full of grapes and he would have made them, turned them into wine, that would be kind of understandable a little bit. But he said, I want you to bring me something that has none of the source of what I'm going to make out of it in itself. There is no way that water can make itself by its own actions into wine. They're two different, completely creations. One is water and one comes from grapes and it's wine. And the two are not the same. And he said, I want you to fill it to the brim with what I know it cannot be to please me. And when it's full and when you know, in other words, what you're full of, Pride, religiosity, legalism, self-justification, your own holiness, your own righteousness, your laundry list of I gave my tithe this week, blah, blah, blah. And God says, when you finally get full of, when I want you to bring me what you're full of that you can never, ever, ever, all your righteousness, when you're full of it, all your righteousness is as filthy rags to me. And he says, you come now. I cannot explain to you. The Bible isn't clear. It does give one hint. It said, and he said to them, when they filled it full, he said, pour it out. And that means they were pouring it from one vessel to another vessel. 
And while the pouring was taking place, the power of his presence. It's not enough to sing songs and give talks from the pulpit. There will be no transformation. Water is weak. Wine is strong. Water is cheap, worthless. Wine is expensive. Water is, water is tasteless. Wine is intoxicating. How in the world can I make that into this? There's only one answer. It has to get in the power of the presence of Jesus. And I'm so desperate for that because our young people, they hear sermons and stuff, but if we don't get desperate to get ourselves in these services, in the power of his presence, my greatest gift to communicate will not transform water into wine. But if I can somehow become a gateway and if the team can somehow and if you can somehow with your hunger become a gateway that we get people into the power of his presence suddenly as it's being poured out suddenly God begins to turn weakness into power and God begins to turn worthlessness worthlessness into something extremely costly everybody say the power of his presence how long has it been since you've been in his presence not church, not another service, not another altar call, not another raise your hands, praise the Lord, clap, happy, clappy, bye, see you next week. When was the last time you left church saying, I'll never be the same again? I'll never be the same again. And as they poured it, you can't evolve into what God wants you to be. It only comes from being in his presence. And as they poured it, Jesus said, serve it to the governor. Serve it to that person that has got everything the world can offer. He's wealthy, he's powerful, he's prestigious, he's famous. He's got titles, he's got position, he's got possession. See, I preached a sermon on this one time and I said, we need to serve it to the governors, not just the butlers. God wants to reach the down and out, but he also wants to reach the up and in. And here's why, because they're just as empty. Because they really thought when I get this, when I get that, when I get the me and the 10 me and the B and the 10 B and whatever. It, and that's the beauty of the story. Jesus said, take it to him first. The guy who has everything. And he had a preconceived idea that what they were offering him was inferior because he said, I, I really don't want to drink this trash because what I've got and what I can afford and the life that I have compared to what pitiful little 
what's his name? J Jesus? I never heard of him. But anyhow, whatever little blessing he put on that, you're offering me that compared to my power and my position. Have you seen my house? Have you seen the car I rolled up in? Do you know what kind of rims I have? Do you know, do you know the boat? Do you know the lifestyle I live? And you dare? I'm not used to this cheap trash stuff, but I guess I'll give it a sip. And and, 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 here's, and here's a big point. How do you explain water to wine? You can't. All you can do is taste it. How do I explain the baptism in the Holy Ghost? How do I explain that God can heal through your hands? How do I explain the gifts of the Spirit? How do I explain walking with Jesus? How do I do that? The only thing you really... You really can't explain it. All you can do is try to get people in the power of his presence long enough that they take a sip. And he thought, y'all are just lucky I'm at this party. And I really don't want this cheap stuff because I'm used to cabaret. I don't even know now. We're really getting a mess here. But, but I, I, I don't drink. I, don't, I ain't never been a drinker and I, I don't intend to be. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do know this story happened like this because this guy said, I have a preconceived idea that what you're offering me is, is, is so inferior to what the party I've been living with my stuff. And then he takes a sip. He says, I, I had life, but this is life more abundantly. I had joy, but this is sustainable joy. Now, by that, I don't mean you have a perfect life. I don't mean that somehow you're excluded from pain and sorrow and trials and tough days and horrible things that happen in your life. But I have a sustainable joy that no matter what I go through, I will make it. I will rejoice. I will come out because all things work together for my good. The man tasted it and he said, my God, that's what I want. I know what happened to Jensen when he was 16 years old and God baptized him in the Holy Ghost. I tasted something on that floor. Floor? Yeah, I was laying on my back <laughs> and nobody pushed me over. The power of God when somebody is a missionary named Rankinson from, from Trinidad and he laid his hand on me and when that man touched me, I had never experienced anything like that and I fell to the floor and I began to pray. I, I had, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm so desperate to get a generation of young people into the power of his presence. Oh, you know that's what changed you. You couldn't change you. Nothing in you could make you stop, can make you turn, can make you change from water into wine. But when you got in the power of his presence, what have we got to offer people if somehow, some way, we don't get in his presence before we leave here? And we're in it. I feel it. I sense it. I acknowledge it. Now watch what Jesus says now. The, the governor said, my goodness. 
He said, most people serve the best first and then the cheap stuff. But you saved the best for last. And then Jesus turns and he says to his disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I'm about to go to heaven. No, no, Lord, you're the best. We, we can't make it without you. You're our comforter. When we get in storms, you come walking on the water. When we need provision, you make fish pay our taxes. You're our comforter in the storms of life, in the trials of life. You can't leave us. No, he said, it's all right. John 14, 16, I will send another comforter. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I'll send another comforter. He'll hold you at the graveside of a loved one. He'll be there in the middle of the night when your mind is racing and you don't know what to do and you don't have the answers and you feel like the whole world is on your shoulder. He'll come like a comforter. He'll attach himself to you. Because I'm going to go away and you thought I was the best, but I'm sending you a gift called the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So can you see those 120 disciples? You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus was in there. Peter, James, and John were in there. They go up in the upper room and he said, stay there 50 days to the day of Pentecost. And they're trying to have church. They're trying to have a party, but they don't have no wine. That's why I'm glad I'm in a spirit-filled church. I'm sorry, there is a difference. I said there, and may we always keep it. I'm, if it were left up to some of you, we'd become some old dead religious pot with steel water in it. But may it never happen at Free Chapel. May we never be ashamed of the power and the anointing. May we always rely on the power of His presence more than our talent, more than our gift, more than our buildings, more than our wealth, more than anything we have. We can't transform anyone. Only Jesus. Everybody praise the Lord for about 30 seconds. Just praise Him. I mean, praise Him. I mean, praise Him. Hey, I feel the Lord moving in this place. Somebody praise Him in Midtown. Somebody praise Him in coming. Somebody praise Him in Spartanburg. Somebody praise Him over there in Gwinnett. Somebody praise Him because... He saved the best for this generation. Stand up on your feet, please. So they're partying, but some, something's missing. That's what's, that's what's wrong with you. You become real religious, and you know what's missing? You need a fresh infilling and baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You, you, you know, the first person to touch Jesus on planet earth was his mother, Mary. She was a virgin when she got pregnant with him. So holy. But you know, the first person to touch Jesus when he rose from the dead, read it. Mary Magdalene reached out to touch him and the scripture said, he said, don't touch me yet. I'll let you touch you, but, but not yet. I'm about to go to the father. But he was letting her know you're going to get to touch me on this return. 
I know that some of you can relate to Holy Mary over there, but he's also made a way through the cross and the resurrection that the rest of us with our seven devils, you know, seven, Mary Magdalene has, was delivered from seven demons and now Jesus says, just wait, I'm gonna let you touch me. But, but let me go to the Father and sprinkle the blood and when I come back, come on in here. You be the first to touch me. But I close with this. They get in that upper room and they're partying with no wine. And all of a sudden, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. It filled all the place where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Is that in the book? I believe the church better stop playing church and get filled with the Holy Ghost if we're going to have a sustainable joy in these days we're living in. It can't be in money, position, power, or anything. It has to be in the presence of Jesus and His Holy Spirit. How many of you here today at all of our campuses and wherever you are watching this, if you were to be honest, you would say, Pastor, in some form, some fashion, it may be your marriage, it may be your family, it may be your whole life, the joy, the wine. I've run, I'm partying without wine. I'm doing it, but even my walk with God, I'm doing it. You know, I love the Lord, I'm here. And I understand that and I appreciate that. But nothing's going to change if we don't get in the power of His presence. And so I don't need... There's several thousand people here this morning in Gainesville and I'm sure there are many out there. But I don't need thousands. If 120 would work on the day of Pentecost, if I could just get 100 firebrands who would say, I want to be... Filled, refilled, overflowing. I want him to take what I have that I'm full of and transform it in his presence into wine that can heal the wounds and the hurting and the broken in a joyless, broken world. I want, I want to be a vessel. I just need 120. It may be a teenager. It may be a businessman. It may be a mother. It may be a father. It may be someone who's been in the church. It may be an old religious pot. It's been so long since you had a move of God. But if I can get 120 hungry people to, at every campus to get out of your seat and come stand down there representing, I'm ready for a brand new Pentecost. I'm ready for a brand new outpouring. I'm ready to be filled, refilled, speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I don't want to be shortchanged. I don't want to live off yesterday's blessing. I don't want to become a religious pot where there's no sustainable joy. I don't want to just give my tithe and come to church and go through I want fresh wine. I want Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire. Lift your hands up all over this room. All over this room. 
cry out. Hunger. Hunger. For the power of his presence. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin. And thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.